thankful for those videos to bring into uh, digital image the scripture. Um, impactful, I believe, if we would look at the scripture uh, dramatized that way so that we can truly see what it's saying to us. But Sailing Through the Storms is a message series that's going to go on for a few weeks here, and we're anxious to um, help us during these seasons in our life because there are storms that come. Has anybody in the room ever been through a storm in your life? I'm not talking about a physical storm, but I'm talking about a spiritual storm and a life storm that's almost overwhelming, and it seems as if you have no way out. So that's the storms we're going to be talking about. And sailing through the storms in the days of Jesus, I believe, would equate to storm chasers in today's culture. I know many of us uh, surely watched the movie Twister, right? Is that the name of it? Twister back in the day, the classic, right? That they chase in storms that just doesn't make much sense. Storm chasers' profession is counterculture, and they are considered abnormal, and I believe rightfully so. We as Christ followers are charged to be abnormal and countercultural and to go headlong into the sea when others stay on the shore. Jesus didn't come to continue the status quo. He came to turn the world upside down, just like he did to the tables in the temple. I believe according to the Gospels that he was a risk taker. I believe that Jesus was a thrill seeker. I believe he was a challenger of normalcy. I believe this is the case because he understood that his reward was attached to him taking the risk and moving to where he was led. We've heard this often in our lives that risk equals reward. So this series for us, I believe, is to allow us to go on a journey together to learn how to sail through the storms of life. My question is, will you join me for the next few weeks? Not awake, not at all. Had a late night. I went to bed at 1.30, and I'm standing up here preaching. I think you can wake up. It's not an excuse. Well, maybe, maybe there's some excuses. I don't know. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm. I don't know. So a few weeks of this are going to allow us to go through a process, I believe, to understand. So I can't get it all in today, and I'm not going to try to. So I'm going to go through some stages here and steps. And today is week one, so I want to talk about the dilemma. Everybody say dilemma. dilemma. So the verses that we just watched in the video are in your Bible in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. So if you're taking notes, write down Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Uh, there's multiple stories that are similar in nature and they're different as well. This is the story where Jesus was sleeping in the boat during a storm. Another account happens 
to where he stayed on the shore and continued with the people for a while. The disciples went out in another storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water. So as we're looking through this storm, we're going to specifically stay on topic on this Mark chapter 4 uh, account of a storm that these disciples had faced. I've got a dilemma. I, I believe that sentence alone, I don't even know in English class if that would be considered a sentence. I think it might be a statement more so. Or I don't know. But I've got a dilemma. Have you ever been approached by somebody, maybe a friend or a co-worker or uh, somebody that you're sharing life with, and they walk up to you and say, I've got a dilemma? Have you ever been approached by somebody that said that? Hopefully you have. If you haven't, you need to get more friends because friends has dilemmas. Amen? And if they don't have one, you'll have one to take to them. And you'll need a friend to go to when you're in a dilemma. Everybody say, I've got a dilemma. And whenever they say that to you, they're actually putting their dilemma on your shoulders. And they're challenging you to help them with their dilemma. So as we look at the message today, I want us to understand that, that I've got a dilemma. My dilemma is called life. Can somebody say amen? Life is a dilemma. <laughs> amen. It's challenging. It's trying. It's seasonal. It's all the things that the Bible declares that life is. And Jesus said, when you come to him and you come to know him, that the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, he said, but come to me, John 10, 10, I quote this all the time. But when you come to Christ, he said, I will give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. How many's grateful for that life? Amen. I think it's talking about everlasting life. I think it's talking about eternal life. I think it's talking about a lot of things. But I also think it's talking about life here. So if you think you had dilemmas before Christ... Amen. He's promising you, you're going to have more. I have come that you might have life more abundantly. Amen. Walking into a relationship with Jesus, you're inviting in your life more dilemmas, more than you had faced before. And it's hard to understand that, and it's hard to conceive that or, or, or really let that play out in your mind that you think when I come to Jesus that everything's going to get easier. And I hope it does. But I don't know about you, but I've got a dilemma. That ain't, hasn't been the life I've experienced since coming to know Jesus. I've been through some trials. I've been through some tribulations. I've been tested. Amen. And life is not easy even after accepting Jesus. I've got a dilemma. So if you're sitting here today, and you've come to know Christ, and you can attest to this, and you can testify to what I'm talking about. And since coming to the knowledge and revelation of Jesus Christ, and you accept him to be your Savior, and you've been water baptized, and you've went through these stages, and you maybe went through I belong and here at church, and you're trying to understand, and you're getting involved, and you're joining in in ministry, and you're helping volunteer when events come up, and things like that. And you go through it, and the next thing you know, you're, you're, the initial stage of that, I think there's a honeymoon that comes 
with a relationship with Jesus, just like there's a honeymoon comes with a relationship when a husband and wife gets married. Amen? It's all good for a little while. Amen? But there's coming a day where there's going to be a disagreement. Now, maybe you're the perfect couple, and you don't ever fight, and it's, it's just all, you know, just a, a bed of roses that you're walking on. And I just look back here at Sammy and think, wow. You know, just, oh, I come out of college and I want to go back to my high school and I'm going to be the head coach and I'm going to marry this beautiful girl and I'm going to have me a little baby and it's just life's going to be a bed of roses. I'm sure Kelsey never picks a fight, does she, Sammy? No. Sammy, he, or Kelsey, he never picks a fight either. Is that, that the case? Never, never. Just Sammy's like the golden boy, right? And Crosby never picks a fight with the parents either, right? He, he, he's already learned how, how to pick a fight already and, and get in the middle. Amen. Marriage is a dilemma. Amen. Relationships are a dilemma. But those relationships without them, what would life be? And getting through the storms... I love the old song that says, it'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all these trials, Rick, it'll be worth it after all. So the dilemma in this story, though, if we contextualize this and look into this story in Mark chapter 4, they're in the middle of a storm. And, but I believe before you can get to the true storm, you've got to understand the surrounding and what's going on and what's happening. So I want to put this in context of where they're at. Jesus had just taught several parables, and you can go back and study this on your own. I'm not going to do it for you. You've got your own legwork to do. But you can go back and read Mark chapter 4, and you'll see that Jesus had taught several parables and give uh, things to society and, and told the culture that he was in. He was challenging them with these parables. And as he's doing this, a great crowd had came. And if we get 250 people here on Back to Church Sunday in about a month from now, that's a challenge. And they've got all these big ideas, and they're all dreamers, and that's all well and good with me. When I asked Tabby to head this up with the Back to Church event, and she's like, okay, and then she started coming to me. She'd be like, well, okay, yeah, do you want me to do that? I said, you? Yeah. Uh-uh, uh-uh, you got, you got your whole team around you. You got a bunch of heads there to run things by. I'm not making every decision. It's on you. But I will challenge them a little bit on asking them things like, how many are you expecting? Uh, never thought of that. But really, if you're planning something, shouldn't you think of that? We planned one time for a little event here to have Easter egg hunt. 2,500 eggs the first year, I think. That, uh, yeah, but the, the big one was 20,000 the first year when we had 200. Lord have mercy. We, there was a good sale, 2,500, 5,000, and then just up to like 15,000. Yeah. So the first year we did the egg hunt, we did 1,000, according to the lesson. She, her memory's better than mine. Amen. Amen. That's a dilemma. And we was planning on, you know, some kids coming from community. We opened it up. I advertised it, took cards downtown. We done events, you know, we putting on. And at that time, about 
30 people was coming to this church. We was expecting a turnout and going to do it, you know, just, okay, we're going to do this and do that. Next thing you know, that day happens, and we get out here, and everybody's ready, and we got shirts for the event, and we're standing here. It's a door. We're going to get all the kids in here and set them down, explain how everything's going to work. It's going to be awesome. Egg hunt out here. You know, we got roped off down here and stakes in the ground and different zones for different kids. And They start coming in. It's like, wow, people's going to come. This is awesome. This is, this is really cool. And there's so many people kept coming in. It looked like a train coming out all the way off of the way up into this driveway. It filled every bit of the ground we had. People were parking at Morn White Sawmill and walking here with kids. We printed 270 tickets in an act of faith because we'd never had an egg hunt before. But it was a storm of people. And we run out of tickets. More than 270 kids. We couldn't fit. Can you fit 270 kids in this room? Yeah. Not like sardines, you can't fit them in here. They was out everywhere. The entire 1.8 acres here was filled with people. If you take risk, rewards will come. Everybody say, do it again, God. Yes. Do it again. Amen. We'll be better equipped this time than we was that time. Because 30 people could not coordinate that. And we got overwhelmed and we was trying to park cars and it just went, it, it was really rough. It was a dilemma. J.D. came. J.D. Thurman was here. He got out of the car and he looked at me and he said, do you want me to help park cars? I said, do anything. Just do something. Everybody here, do something to help. Anybody that raised their hand, they was going to get picked and say, yes, get involved and do something to help. And they did. That was the day before Easter Sunday. The next day, I think we had 89 people in our church service. And that was the largest attendance that we'd ever saw because we invited people to come and they get Easter eggs. But in this story here, and contextualizing that, when crowds come, it's overwhelming. So Jesus had 12 disciples. He wanted to talk to people. How many thinks Jesus had something to say? How many believes he had words that were wise, that were established how we should live our life? And the crowd came. I know the dilemma Jesus was in. Because when you're the one speaking, and you're the one in charge, and you get overwhelmed, I know what I want to do. I know what I wanted to do that Easter Sunday, or the Easter egg hunt. I wanted to head on out of here and say, adios amigos, this is a storm and I don't like it. Amen. It was a beautiful thing when it was coming, but then it just got overwhelming. Then you're, oh, I was probably kindly mean. I don't know about you, but when I get overwhelmed and stressed out, I get mean. Am I the only one? Is there anybody else in this room when you get stressed out? And a little bit tense, in the middle of the storm, you get just a little bit grouchy. Amen. Megan, you can look at him, just pat him on the shoulders there. <laughs> oh, is you? Oh, wow. Kenny, you got, you got by easy that time. He's, he's just so loving and kind and gracious and gets through the storm without ever being mean. He's just awesome. 
What did he say? That's my brother. If you're going to talk, speak up. <laughs> That's a dilemma. So Jesus was stressed out. It was a dilemma for him. And he, when Jesus was standing there, and, and let's see, how, how do I want to get from where I'm going to where I'm going to where I'm going? Jesus was ready to get out of that big crowd. And it was fun, and it was exciting, and it was adrenaline rush, and it was storm chasing and all that, but he, he was ready to get out. So he, he looked across the other side of the sea, and he saw the other side, and it was empty of people. When you're around a lot of people, stress comes. Especially when you're in charge. So Tabby, on September 19th, make sure that you know a dilemma is coming. Amen. She is a redhead too. And it's going to be easy to get stressed and look out. How many believes God can exceed what we ask or think? You ever read that in scripture where it says he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think? Amen. I believe if we work together, we can accomplish a great thing. We talked about Wednesday night down on the first Wednesday service that they times it out, and Jeremy helped me with my math, and he had a calculator because it's easier that way, that potentially there's 11,000 people we calculated, according to statistics, in Lewis County that are not affiliated with the church. Don't attend church. I don't know whether they used to go to church, stopped going to church, have never went to church. I don't know. But there's 11,000 people, according to those statistics, in Lewis County that are not attending church today. How hard should it be to get another 150 than what we got? I think that's an easy feat looking from God's perspective. So our dilemma is, let's do it. But as Jesus was there in the crowd, and if you'll put up the next picture, I think I, I stole it off the internet. This is the Sea of Galilee. So here's a picture over in Israel. This is a picture of the Sea of Galilee. So I want you to get a mental image of truly what it looks like in context to where Jesus was and what he could see. Okay? So let's... let's think about this that Jesus is here on this shore he's telling parables and there's a crowd of people and there's other events that we know in scripture that one time 3,000 people showed up 3,000 men without the women not counting the women 5,000 people showed up one time not counting the women for Jesus's teaching and imagine standing on the shore he's God yes but he's still in human form he took on humanity when he came here. He was born of a virgin. He lived his human nature out for 33 and a half years on this planet. And he's standing here in his human nature. 
Yes, he is God. But he's standing there with his humanity. And he has emotions like we've got emotions. If you don't think Jesus was emotional, how could he stand at the tomb of his friend named Lazarus and it says that Jesus, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. If weeping is not emotional, I don't know what is. In all aspects of humanity, he felt what we feel. He didn't sin, but he felt what we feel. The pressures of life was on him. And this dilemma was he's standing here, throngs of people all the way around him, and he looks over there, and he says, I'd like to go over there a minute. Come on, somebody. I like to get away too, don't you? It's what we call vacations, right? Anybody like vacations? Okay, nobody will shake their head, so I guess you'll just have to get a raise of hands. Let's, let's go to the next level. That's how you do in a meeting, right? If you can't get them to vote one way, vote another way. How many likes vacations? Raise your hand. Wave, wave your arm a little bit. All right, I don't like vacations, but I'm raising my hand anyway. Leslie makes me go. Well, she says I don't even go. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I, when was our last vacation? I don't know when. You tell me. I don't know. It's a sign. Okay. Because I look at whenever I go on a business trip, I can just go, and we'll go there. She says that's not vacation. Is it? I think it is. Oh, thank you, Betty. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's, I'm El Chipo, and, you know, you've heard of El Chapo and everybody else. Why can't I be El Chipo? Amen. It'll be okay. I consider it vacation. She don't. So Jesus saw, I want to go over there because there's not a lot of people over there, and I want to go over there a minute, just get away. So Jesus tells his disciples in the first part of this story, and he says, let's go to the other side. And his disciples are, I'm glad he chose disciples that were fishermen by trade. Because he was living here on these Banks of this shore, and he, he wanted to go there, and rather than have to go all the way around all them cliffs, I, I'd rather just take the shortcut. Amen? So he tells them, his disciples, they've got boats, and he's there, and he's teaching, and, and he takes off across this water, and he tells them, I want to go to the other side. So they, they set up sails, and they take off to go. I'm going to go over there. That don't look like it's very far off, does it? You got to think, though, culturally, they were in little wooden, handcrafted. I hate to know what those boats really look like. They found a few historically, and they've, you know, they've pulled them up out of the water, and they, they think this is potentially what the boat looks like. And you can study that on the internet. Not a big boat. I'm not talking about a great big monster boat with a 454 in it, whoa, heading across. It's not like that, okay? When you're sailing through the storms, don't get that mental image in your mind of what you see going up and down the river when you go down there watching up and down the Ohio River on a Saturday. But what they had was better than nothing, so they got in these boats and they took off crossing it. It says others followed them. So the people didn't have a boat, couldn't go. But the people did have a boat, could go. So if you got a pontoon, invite somebody to go out with you sometime. 
So as they take off across there, they're looking, and these disciples, they had traveled this a lot because they were fishermen by trade. James and John were fishermen. That's their occupation. So as they're heading across, they know what they're doing. I've been here before. I know what I'm doing. And it's a pretty day. The sun's shining. Glory to God, a big revival just happened. Everybody listened to Jesus. We had a good time. And they take off across this journey thinking they can still see the other side. But in an instance, and you can read and study about this, and there's all kinds of stuff about the Sea of Galilee that you can study out on your own, and I can't tell you everything about everything. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. The dilemma. Because in the midst of them seeing where they was going, a storm arose. That's a dilemma. Because when you're out there in the middle of this, and you can look back and see where you came from, and you can look forward and see where you're heading, all is well. But when a storm brews up, and a storm comes, and a downpour, a torrential, treacherous, I mean, the sky is completely dark, kindly like the video. And in the midst of that, Jesus is sleeping. Because he was understanding, I'm going on vacation. I'm not going to be worried about it because I'm getting over there. And he had a trust when he, when he laid down to go to sleep that those disciples, because of their skill, was going to get him there. God had provided him with people that knew how to sail a boat. But in the middle of the water, the storm come. And the disciples, you saw in the video where they acted out this story. And they were doing everything they could, and they was pulling sails. I can imagine what all they was trying to do. I can imagine people with oars. I can imagine all the things you do in a boat. And they was trying to do everything they could because water was coming in. And we all know that if you've ever been in a boat, mom won't get in a boat. She's scared of a boat. She, she would probably drown you if you did get her in a boat because she'd tip it over trying to run back and forth one side to the other and it'd take on water. But if you go to take on water, you got problems in a boat. Amen? Amen? So as this was happening, I can imagine them bailing out water and like in the video and them running over there and grabbing Jesus by the shirt collar and shaking him. Get up, man. Come on. Because when we're in a dilemma, we need help. Amen. And just like I started this with today, whenever we go to our friends and say, I've got a dilemma, or if we go to our coworkers with something that's going on at work and we say, I've got a dilemma, what I'm saying is I need some help. I don't know about anybody in this room, but I need some help. Amen. When Tabby come up here and told about in this microphone about her event that she's going to help us do as a church, she's saying, I've got a dilemma. She didn't say that, but she said that. I've got a dilemma. Storms blur our vision. It's truly hard to see in a downpour. Have you ever been driving down the road and a really bad storm? So much water that your windshield wipers won't even get rid of it fast enough? It's not easy to drive 
in the middle of a storm. Everybody say, it's hard to see in a downpour. And life has seasons that come, and there are dilemmas that happen in life, in Jesus, where we're in the midst of a storm, and sometimes we can't see where we're going. Because the enemy wants to isolate you to where that you're by yourself and alone and you have nobody around you to help you. And in that isolation, he will seek to kill, steal, and destroy. Storms blur our vision. And during a downpour, the ground can't soak up. Even during a drought, if the downpour happens too fast, the ground can't even soak up the water that it needs because it runs off because it comes too quick. And I don't know about you, but life happens so fast at times and seasons and events that happen in marriage and in, 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 in life as general in general that it just happened so fast that it, we didn't see it coming. And when we didn't see it coming and we didn't prepare, then the next thing you know, we can't see where we're going. That's a dilemma. How many knows these disciples had a dilemma, but they had somebody in the boat that could help them with their dilemma. And when they woke him up, they said, don't you even care that we're dying? Can you imagine asking Jesus that? Your, your Messiah, the Christ, can you imagine shaking him by the collar and saying, don't you even care that I'm dying? I think we do when we pray. Because whenever we're praying to Jesus and we're talking to him about the storm we're in, and we're wondering, does he even really care? Is there even something that he, is he even going to help me out in this situation? Does that sound like faith to you? In the midst of your dilemma, you have to decide, am I going to trust him? Or am I going to get my way out of this? I can't see where I'm going. And Job in the Old Testament is a story that happens that way. Job, you know, loses everything, all this goes on. And it, as Job loses the count of everything that happens, Job is so in the midst of a dilemma. His friends come to him and they're, they're bad-mouthing him. What would you do wrong? God, God did this to you. God did that to you, Job. It's no good. And Job gets so tore up. And you can read through the story of Job. There's a lot of verses and a lot of chapters in Job. And I think that is a picture of our life. If you read through the story of Job in the Old Testament, I think it's a picture and an image of what life is like. There's seasons where you have, there's seasons where you have not. There's seasons of calm and there's seasons of storms. There's seasons where friends will pat you on the back when everything's good and there's seasons where when you're down in the dumps and everything's going wrong that people will step on your shoulders to get to where they want to go. It's a dilemma. Life is. But I think there's 42 cha chapters in Job because it tells us that all these chapters are here. Why? They're all chapters. But chapter 42 tells the end of the story. And in Job's account, his dilemma was totally turned around because God proved He's faithful. And in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your dilemma that you're in right now, and every person in this room is not in the same point in life. Not everybody is facing the same battles at this one initial moment right now. We're diverse in this room. Some people are happy. Some people are sad. Some people are, are uplifted. Some people are downtrodden right now. There's, there's all kinds of things. There's affliction. 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous. See? It's here, right? The enemy of our souls wants us not to succeed in this quest of life. But because Job had a chapter 42 ending, I wonder how many of us in here truly see that there's a chapter 42 over there, but I'm going to miss this storm right now, and I'm giving up because I, don't, I can't see my way out of it. God doesn't want you to look at the storm. He wants you to look at the Savior that he laid next to you in your boat. And the dilemma you're in in this moment, look to Jesus. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So Earl, when you're out there and it seems like you're alone and you're wondering, can I just give up and is it really worth it and all this pain and anguish that I'm going through in my Christianity, is it really worth just keeping in this faith? Absolutely. Because he that holds fast to this faith and holds on to the end will be saved. And how many wants to be saved? Amen. I want heaven to be my home. Chapter 42 is where I'm heading. Amen. All the rest of these things that are going on are just chapters. And I'm going to get through these. You may look at me and say, yeah, this is chapter 9 for Job, and this is where you're at right now. Guess what? 42 is coming. Amen? Look at life with an end product to say, that is where I'm heading. That is eternity. That is heaven with Christ forever in eternity. Make that your goal. Make that your ambition. And this dilemma will not matter. This is just a storm. And guess what? I'm getting through. What are you going to do when you can't see where you're going? What are you going to do when you can't see where this chapter is heading? I wonder what chapter are you on? Several years ago, a Christian group played a, a song, and I, I wanted to play right now, and it's a video, and I, I want us just to focus on this and listen to the words of this song. And I know it's Southern Gospel, and we don't do that a lot here, but I want us to, to listen to this song. So if you'll play that song. Welcome to Crab Family, all right? Yeah. 
that that is where we exist and where we're at. And not everybody in this room is in the same place, but I want you to bow your heads with me if you will. And I want you to have an understanding today that he did not promise that the cross would not get heavy. He told us to take up our cross and daily follow him. Nobody looking around, everybody, head bowed, every eye closed. There's people in this room that you are in the midst of a storm, of a situation going on in your life right now, and you know that this message is exactly for you. I think it's for every person in the room that there's nobody excluded, whether it's a dilemma you had in times past, a dilemma you have right now, or a dilemma you'll have in your future. I think this message is for everybody here. But there's some of us in this room right now, you're standing at the crossroads that they sung about in this song. And it feels like the cross is heavy. And it feels like I'm in the midst of a dilemma and a storm right now. And I need help. I'm in a dilemma. I want to sail through the storms, Jesus. Nobody looking around. Is there anybody here that lift their hand right now and say, Pastor, I'm in the midst of a storm and I need some help. And I need Jesus to come running. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Help me in my struggle. Jesus, do you not care that we will perish? And he says, I absolutely care. And he'll stand up and speak to the storm just as he did to those disciples in that boat. And a peace will come that passes all understanding. In the midst of the storm, he'll speak to the storm. And you need Jesus. And you need him awake and you need him right now. 
Maybe you're sitting here in the room today and you say, Pastor, I've, I've never come to the knowledge and the profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I've never trusted him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I can sense right now and I know that his spirit is dealing with me and he's asking me to come home, to give my life to him. And I'm willing to make a decision right now to trust him to be the Lord of my life. That I want him to be in the boat with me. Is that you? I want you to lift your hand right now. Amen. Amen. There's one. There's another. There's another. Amen. Anybody else? You need Jesus right now. And you want him to be Lord of your life. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Another one. There's four. Anybody else? Right now. I, I know he's talking to me. And Amen. Thank you for that hand. Storms are going to come. But with Jesus, they're easier. So I want us all to pray together right now. and Just agree with those that just accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior or those that are facing battles right now. And I want us to join forces to say we're on the same team. So if you'll bow your head, close your eyes. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you. In Jesus' name, I'm asking you to forgive me for my faults, for my failures, for my sins. And I'm asking you to help me through my storms. And I'm asking you to help my friends through their storms. Even those listening online. Even those that will listen this week, be with them right in the midst of their storm, Jesus. I trust you with all of my being. You are the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen.